Hello to a new episode of the Beam Voice. Today I have the pleasure to talk with Khalid David from Trackflow from US. Hello Khalid, how are you doing? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks for having me today. Please introduce yourself uh, briefly a little bit and after that uh, share your screen and uh, please go on with your presentation. Well, I'm Khalid David, founder and CEO of Trackflow. Um, I grew up in the construction industry. I from, come from three generations of carpenters. Um, formerly trained as a civil engineer. Um, I'm a builder first, technologist second, and I believe technology is all about the new tools that um, that builders need to get the job done. Sounds very good. Please go ahead with your uh, presentation. Okay. So today I'm going to share a little bit about what we do at Trackflow and kind of and what we think is happening in the industry and what's next. Um, my goal is to kind of set some context to how this problem exists and hopefully we can have a, a discussion around what are what are the future possibilities around with data coming from the construction site um, and particularly um, data around cost. Uh, so let me just share my screen. Uh, so we are Trackflow Construction Financials done right. Um, and to kind of set the context, well, today we're going to talk about a problem called change orders. And simply put, change orders are unforeseen changes to the project scope. If you, um, you know, if you're a large commercial builder, you see this all the time. Um, and then you also understand that there's a culture on the job site where um, you have to get things done first and worry about the change orders later. Uh, and when these change orders pile up and become a problem, it's often the leading cause of projects going into financial ruin. Um, so it's, um, I call it the most volatile line item on a construction pay requisition. Um, and this is kind of where we really focus in terms of where we're capturing data and where we're understanding how the project is performing. Um, and uh, change orders is just the first part of it. Um, it's something that we do because it's such a big pain, but there's an entire um, AIA construction requisitions um, um, space that does over a billion dollars in any given year and a $10 billion global industry on digital construction payments. Um, so today we're going to talk about change orders, but change orders is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we can be able to derive around how project projects are performing and how we can use project cost data and digital payments to now um, create new insights on um, decision that we can make around the job site. So how, why are change orders such a big pain? Uh, so in any typical, for the most part, we're talking about large commercial sites. You're going to have a project owner over here on your left. You're going to have project, your, your general contractors here in your orange. Those are those large general contractor firms. You have your subcontractors here in the blue and including the crew. The guys with the hard hats, they're the guys on the field managing the work every day. And the guys with the laptops, they're in the back office. And when an unforeseen change happens on site, all five to six of these stakeholders need to be in agreement with what happened, why it happened, who's responsible, and ultimately who's going to pay for it. Um, and this process alone is often managed as a paper process. Um, on top of that, oftentimes change orders doesn't just affect one trade. It affects not just your steel guy, your glass guy. So you can multiply these subcontractors by five or six, and you see how quickly 
this problem can become huge. Um, on top of all of that, this is primarily managed as a paper process. I'm sure we've all seen those paper ticket books with the pink and yellow, um, those pink and yellow sheets, um, carbon copies that now has to be distributed. Um, not everything from if, if tickets are signed on time to when the paperwork gets back to the office for billing, all of these things can exact, exacerbate um, the financial risk on the job site while also managing a physically moving construction project. This is all on top of your base contract. Um, so any breakdown in this process can, can really become troublesome. And that's really where a lot of the bottleneck and the pain comes from that creates the financial risk associated with um, change orders. It's just getting six people to be in agreement, but documenting that on a piece of paper with pink and yellow carbon copies can be, um, can be quite a challenge. Let me ask you uh, this. What is your problem with paper? What is wrong with paper, man? I like paper. <laughs> <laughs> paper in and of itself is not bad. Um, it, it, it's simple. It, um, it forces you to have a conversation. It, um, it, uh, it, it's the easiest way to jot something down. Um, the biggest missed opportunity with paper um, is the ability to provide backup. Um, so the ability to add photos, add videos, to document who signed it and when it was signed. Um, the ability to be able to act on the information that's happening in that paper, um, that's what's really missed. I was, I was in a, a sales meeting yesterday um, explaining to um, this new potential client about the time savings. And his biggest concern was, hey, if my guys aren't talking with the superintendent, then, um, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to get signed. And I had to, to kind of reassure him that your guys still have to interact. The part of the, the conversation piece that's necessary to move this thing forward, that's still there. We're just now giving you new tools to have a better understanding of what happened. Um, so paper is not bad, but paper misses a bunch of opportunity to understand what's happening. Yeah. And uh, it's very easy to lose it. Especially, oh, yes. Uh, let's not forget about that. It's yeah, difficult to, to keep track of it, easy to lose it, and difficult to share it as well. Yeah. Right? The, um, the infamous gang box or locker or desk draw full of tickets is something that we've heard over and over. A bunch of just, they're just a stack of paperwork. No one knows that, you know, it's $50,000 in cost sitting in a drawer. And then now you're in closeout and you're finally breaking down shantytown and you find out, you know, three months after the fact that there's all these um, um, missed costs. Yeah, yeah. And, and for example, if you want to share something with someone that, that is on another place, you need to travel there. You need to drive there. You need to go there or to send him an envelope, right? A lot of wasted time. Yeah, especially in these current times where you have to do so much right now with, with under, under very different constraints. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is exactly like uh, the the last uh, nail in the coffin. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, like this helps actually to avoid unnecessary contacts. Yeah, and that's that's also another piece. Um, so, in a nutshell, so what we do is we try to streamline that information. Um, one of our philosophies is that one the 
um, and I guess lean practices is that frontline worker, but you have to make sure that you capture information from the guy who swings the hammer every day, that guy who pulls, who typically carries a ticket book. Um, and we believe this philosophy is very important because oftentimes you see companies think that as long as you get an owner involved, you get the general contractor involved, that you're gonna be able to capture the information that you want. Um, our approach is, hey, you have to get that guy who does the work every day involved because it's easier to aggregate that information upward and make it digestible for the more sophisticated user. Um, but if you make something really complex and you miss out on the simplicity, then it becomes very, very hard to try to get them to fit into what you've built. Sure, makes sense. So what we do, we create a process that allows that foreman to contact the GC superintendent, back to the subcontractor's project manager, back to the GC project manager, then over to the owner's rep. So instead of this being a paper documentation, email and phone calls, we give them a platform where they can, can see all of that kind of in one simple place and be able to kind of see, hold, hold each other accountable as it moves along um, the process. Um, and we did that by taking that paper book, that ticket book, and turn it to a digital experience. Um, we want to make sure it was clean and simple and really focused at that guy who, I know we all have that 50 year old uncle who doesn't really text, that that guy could use it. Um, and that was our, our rubric for, hey, does this make sense? But um, that piece about the power that digital creates, we gave them a lot, they have a lot more robustness in terms of being able to add information before they could just write a description now they can snap a photo, they can record a video, they can add voice notes. Um, if they're struggling with text, um, you know, any mobile device, you have speech to text. Um, so now we're giving that, that guy on the field a, a data rich mobile device to not just say, hey, I needed three extra guys to move this cabinet. You can snap a photo and say, this is why I didn't fit. You can document the three extra guys. Um, and all of that information that flows along the process as opposed to, as opposed to being, hey, remember we had that conversation um, and, and, um, and things like that. So we give them a data rich tool that allows them to, um, to turn what was once a ticket book into a more robust um, ticket creating experience. Sounds very nice, very, very smart. Um, and then we take the, entire approval process online. So I'm sure you guys have all used DocuSign now since COVID-19 has, has happened. Very similar. Um, all the stakeholders can be alerted right when the ticket's created to when it gets priced. Um, and now everyone kind of has a better idea about what's going on, where they're at in the process, and we're mitigating the loss, the financial risk created simply by not having people on the same page. You're having one trade work over time thinking that they're gonna get paid on some PCO number. And that engineer on the GC side says, hey, we never approved that. And you know, you need to stop because we've you've already maxed out that budget, let's reassess. But oftentimes projects are moving so fast that when you finally stop, you're like, hey, we've ran up $100,000 in cost and we didn't necessarily have approval. And that, that leads to some of those financial, um, those financial disputes. Yes, indeed. Um, so 
So what does that so what does that mean as an organization? So as an organization, we help companies reduce financial risk in a nutshell. We help them move money and take money from being in a financial risky state to, hey, we understand how this cost is allocated. Um, and uh, in 2020, um, uh, right, this is from November, but right at the end of November, we're updating for the end of the year now, we had helped companies um, be processed around 12 million in, um, in change orders, and we're averaging around 500K a month. And the way we see that is in every month, we're helping reduce financial risk by $500,000 across our, our project portfolios. And last year, we helped move at least $12 million from, hey, this is at risk. We don't know who's, who's going to pay for it. And this could be a financial liability to, hey, it's locked down. This, that was allocated to allowance. That's under a PCO number. You know, we know exactly where this is going to be, and it's no longer a risk to the project. I see. And we've been working with very large commercial contractors in New York City, companies like Turner, Prince Carpentry, Joyce, Top Rock, Metro Walters, Oxford Developers. We're very proud of the, um, our early customer base. Um, and these are large union contractors in New York City. Um, I think I, um, I mentioned coming from a family of carpenters, but my, da my dad's actually in local 157 union. So um, that the built industry is something that that we've been able to they've reson we've resonated with them um so uh, we're in this you know we're in it together if you will nice so all that aside so what does this all mean okay this is this is great for track 12. well let's take a step back and think about what you actually do when you track change orders and you're reducing financial risk well the way we look at it is the blue line is what is your base contract. And by helping change orders, we're actually looking at how costs are changing in every given month on your base contract. And we're almost capturing the variability of the project price in any given month. Um, and once you capture that and you start understanding what the variability of the project price in any given month, you can use simple linear regressions to start to project how project costs are going based by understanding how project costs of um, the variability compared to the base plan. And this is, this is the thing that really gets us excited about what the future, um, what the future can hold in terms of when you have all these stakeholders connected, how can we as project managers begin to not only understand how our costs are changing, but be able to use that data to predict how the cost will change over the next, you know, over the life of project. And these are the things that we're really excited about. And these are the things that we're laying the foundation for in terms of how do we now introduce machine learning tools into this, into this process. Um, but what we've discovered is that you can take it a step further. Not only do we capture um, then only do we capture, let's say, price. You know, let's say there's a possibility we can do price prediction, being able to antis anticipate cost overruns in real times as changes are created. But because we capture an approval process, we also are understanding how stakeholders impede or speed up an approval process. So we all know if you've been in the industry, you always have a hunch you know, there's a guy who's like really great. And you have these hunches that, hey, every time someone goes to this person, it slows down. 
Well, is there opportunity for people analytics to almost be able to, let's say, I won't say as far as giving people a score, but imagine if you can now, if I'm quantifying approval time and approval cost as a function of variables, and the people is also part of those variables. And because they are, you can almost kind of rank how effective or ineffective they are. And what if you now, instead of having hunches in terms of who's the, what's the A team and the B team, you start to be able to understand and make decisions around change orders because of who's a part of the approval process. Um, and these are the these are the um, these are the things. These are discussions that you know I like to kind of have today and explore and kind of pontificate on in terms of what if you could um, take those hunches and say, hey, listen, Johnny, we're gonna have to we're gonna put Johnny on one thing because we know you know he might hold it up, and Liz crushes it when it comes to these things, and we have to now make decisions from a team level based off of what we're seeing in the data in terms of how do we reduce this financial risk. Um, and the last thing was um, that we're thinking about is um, now that we're seeing this data, can we start anticipating when a subcontractor is, is um, over, have overutilized their capital? Um, can we be one of those people to help um, help say, hey, this company may need a line of credit. They may, they may need an advance on their receivables because their base contract has gone, their change order contract has gone above 30%, 40%, 15%. Who knows what the number is? But now we're starting to understand whether the triggers to say, hey, these companies may need additional access to capital and being able to alert projects a lot earlier then you know waiting till they're at a point where they've they've spent they've used their whole line of credit trying to keep up with these change orders um and now they're in they're, they're kind of in over their head and being able to and be able to collect the general contractors you know hey maybe we should advance some of these receivables hey we need to actually focus on this subcontractor and get their change orders approved because we've, we've kind of overutilized them um and these are the kind of three things that um, we're seeing, um, be, we're seeing emerging by just, and this is just capturing one little piece of the construction project cost. But these are the, the, the things that we're seeing can can be done with the data that we're capturing, um, you know, by using some machine learning tools. So, um, yeah, I love if we could just unpack them and explore them, and um, and we, I guess we could come back to that. I, I got a little bit. I could just close out. But um, it's up to you. How do how do you how yeah. do you want to go? Um, so first, I, I would like to ask you some questions that I have in mind right now, and after that, uh, would be nice to show us uh, the the interface, the platform inside a little bit, how it works. First and foremost, is this only for contractors, or there are any other stakeholders that can use this application? So right now, our focus is mostly on contractors. Um, we're seeing that um, we're definitely seeing interest from um, architects, engineers, anyone who needs to be a part of the approval process, including owners and owners reps. We kind of the the way we we kind of see that as those are the users that general contractors need to get their job done a little bit. Um, so we are primarily focused on contractors, uh, mainly because 
usually any changes that still happen in the, in the design stage is usually not that big of a deal. It's usually, you know, we got to change this up, change that up. It can be done discussion. It's once the project is live and going that changes have these huge financial impacts. Um, so it is not just for contractors. Um, any person who needs to have insight, who needs to weigh in on a change order process, um, we welcome onto the platform. But our main customers are contractors. We help them in that process to make sure that these stakeholders are in agreement. Okay, I understand. Um, now, let's go back to the roots. Um, what happened when you are while you were working that inspired you and frustrated you so hard that you decided to start this av adventure? Oh, man, well, it's man, it's kind of a <laughs> so. So my story was, um, well, I started. I was a subcontractor with my dad and uncle. Um, they were the trademen, so they ran the field crew. And I was responsible for the pro proposals, the cause, stuff like that. Um, and um, that was when I first saw, I first struggled with how do you, as cost change on site and you're on, on, on site kind of running things, how do you ultimately be able to document that if you don't have like a mobile tool? Um, so that was my first kind of taste that, hey, this can be really frustrating and, and difficult. But um, what really came up, what, what really kind of defined this path for me was that I was working um, at Turner Construction in New York City, and I was hired as a safety engineer. Um, and, and as a safety engineer, I was, using, I was helping them use data to make decisions around their safety performance. And because I was doing this data stuff, I was a part of a lot of the internal data groups. Um, and um, I ended up joining this innovation team that was building internal software. And I was part of this team and we built a lot of things. Um, and the one thing we built, uh, the one thing that we did well was an internal general contractor change management solution. Um, and I ended up spending years talking with project, into project managers, talking with project engineers, um, sometimes when a project will get into a certain state, they will bring in a change order engineer just to manage change orders. And I spent years just helping them solve this problem. And I realized that it wasn't very, it wasn't sexy enough that a lot of companies were out there trying to solve it. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to be the new drawing platform or 3D, you know, what have you. So there wasn't a lot of very interest. It was kind of like a niche, I won't call it boring, um, it mattered to senior vice presidents, but it was a problem that you wouldn't get exposed to until you were kind of further along in your career. Um, but it was, but with, with oftentimes these major firms, their profit, their fees were like three percent, and change orders will make or break if the um, the solution, um, if the project um, was profitable or not. Um, so after spending years doing that. Um, eventually, uh, um, Turner decided to shut down their, solu their internal solutions because uh, there was enough solutions popping up elsewhere that they felt like they could outsource it. Um, and um, I left that experience um, really, really feeling like I got exposed and that there was so much more to do that, um, that if there was really a company that really focused on this, that um, it could be helpful. So I left Turner and I spent two years at MIT 
and really understanding what what a technology what what the state of technology was and what we could bring into these um, into these problems. Um, and I decided I want to focus on solving this problem for the subs. And in doing so, everything kind of came full circle. And within a year of just working with predominantly subs, we were able to roll out a general contractor solution that kind of tied it back up. Um, so for me, it was it was really being exposed to this problem at a very high level. And at the same time, understanding that it was so niche and so obscure that it wasn't necessarily the sexiest thing that, that people go go into. Um, and that I had a, I kind of had an advantage that um, I knew the pain points of these um, senior level project managers. Um, and that's kind of, that, that was part of the reason um, not part of the reason that was a driving force, but ultimately it's, um, I wanted to make sure that I was adding new tools for construction, um, project for construction professionals. I felt like this was an area that had a lot of expertise and I felt like I can help, um, help companies, um, by adding this tool to their, their toolbox. Yeah. How was the start? How did you, how were the first days and uh, are you on track with uh, your expectations? And <laughs> oh, man, and so we were, I, I was lucky in the sense that, um, um, and I, I got a slide for this. Um, so I was lucky in the sense that I, um, I was, I was, I came out of MIT's entrepreneurship accelerators. So um, I spent all this year solving these problems and they pretty much put us through the ringer to prove that it, that we didn't just have hunches. We had to interview 50 contractors and we had to talk to them about their pain points. And we had to document and prove that this was enough of a problem that it could be a real business around it. And that was, that was really helpful, but it was all in this academic sense, right? It was all kind of like kind of protected. Then we were part of Delta V, one of their um, accelerators. And after Delta V, I felt like, hey, we really had something, um, and shoot, man! Last year we had um, after I graduated in 2019, we had a few early customers. Um, we joined uh, a Metaprop NYC, which is a prop tech um, real estate um, investor, and we went through the accelerator and we were doing really well. And then we launched. Now we left the accelerator in February of 2020, and then the end of 2020 we won the Harvard Black New Venture competition and then COVID hit. <laughs> and we were, we were like, we were riding the wave and we, we, we definitely on it. And then COVID hit and um, it, it, it really, it was, I mean, traumatic for many people in many different ways, but first was the uncertainty. Then investors kind of uh, got a little more conservative. Um, and then we found construction companies were really struggling. Um, and that, so there was this kind of like gray area, but then we realized that they were now tasked with doing more with less. They would send half their teams home. And then we saw an increased demand, maybe let's say three months after COVID hit, once the, the dusk settled, we saw that, hey, these companies actually need it. We ended up having to change our whole customer success piece. Um, sometimes I guess in tech, you feel like the technology should do it. Um, but then when we realized that these companies really helped, uh, we started the, our customer success piece where we'll visit Shantytown, 
help onboard the, the trade men, um, check on them and really make sure it's working for them. And um, it was something that they needed that they, the tech by itself wouldn't have, wouldn't have done it. Um, so it, it's been, it's been, and now we're, um, we're gearing up for another fundraise. Um, so it, it's been a journey. It's been such a journey. I didn't, I did not anticipate, um, I'm grateful. I think we've, we've landed, we landed another deal right at the beginning of the year that, um, that, um, uh, that's gonna, you know, give us some more exposure. So there's a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, at the same time, 2020 has been such a defining, such a challenging year for any startup, really any company. Um, and for us, once we saw demand increase, it became even, it was like, we ended up having to do more with less to serve our customers if we wanted to keep growing. And so that's been, it's been such a, a defining year, but um, am I where we want to be? Not yet. I, I like, um, I'm still working with some students on the machine learning pieces. Um, we've laid out the foundation and we've kind of created up, created the, the data, the databases, um, but really being able to, and we've ran a few tests where we're able to predict price and predict approval time, but really be able to have a robust system that shows you live updates in the app is things that we were just not there yet. And, and we'll get there as soon as we're, we're able to raise a little more money and bring a little more people on. Um, so things like that, I, I just, I'm, um, I struggle with the industry as a whole, um, particularly contractors, this, it's right for innovation. So they'll accept, you know, not that they'll accept, the level of technology we're producing is, works for them but I know there's so much more that can be done. Um, so I find myself frustrated that we're not able to bring new tools. Like um, a lot of trade men have um, accents and you know Polish guys, Spanish guys, Jamaican guys. Um, and uh, we wanna be able to offer our app in multiple different languages. Um, um, I know Google, um, there's no I was talking to a natural um, language processing engineer at MIT, and um, there's no there's no language processing for accents. There's um, like there's just none. Like no one no one has built a model. It just doesn't exist. Um, but being able to offer our product in multiple languages and things that we like to do, um, so that there's there's quite a few that. Um, that I, I, I would like to be able to bring to market, but we're, we're just not there yet. And right now we're just, just getting contractors to trust that there's a better way to do what they've been doing is, a, is enough of a hurdle. Um, and I, many meetings, I never mentioned machine learning tools. I never mentioned police people analytics. It's too scary. It, it's, it's too, yeah, it's just too scary. Right now it's just, I can save you time. I can get you paid faster and I can give you a uh, automated log in the palm of your hand and you don't have to update Excel. That's very important. Yeah. You need to start with the most vital tasks with the most vital, uh, vital functionalities in the beginning and build up on that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a journey, man. <laughs> Not quite where we want to be, but grateful for what we've been able to achieve in the, in the past few years. Somebody is asking if we use a, uh, uh, beam standard or something no we are talking about um, a tool for uh, tracking uh, financial um, uh, for uh, for companies for contractors it's called track flow 
now before you start um, showing a little bit the application uh, short demo let me uh, say clarify why i invited you here for everybody uh, just so you know i'm not sponsored to do this i did this because i see i see this tool solving a lot of issues that we have in our beam world as well and at the same time uh, uses technologies that we also want to use to to make our to break the silos this is one uh, very very important uh, mission with my beam mission right and um, like uh, i see this in a way like um, um, like how issue management is working in the same way um, this uh, tool trackflow is helping uh, contractors or clients or uh, other stakeholders to save money and time and have better overview and increase the uh, reduce the risk on project so this is the reason why i do this now you can please um, show us a little bit around uh, the the application yeah no problem and i could also um i could speak to that a little bit i have yeah. been approached um by a few people in the the bim space a lot of people who are doing reality capture around how do you go from reality capture to including um finance and the progress payments and it's been a um where we see it going is ultimately each line item so when we talk about the construction requisitions change or these are line items on in construction billing and it is a belief that you can get to the point where you can tag line items to actual built in place on um, pieces and and complete that line item as a percentage of how much sheetrock is um is installed on the wall i think um a lot of people called it um i was told uh if bim is 3d um then if you add time to it that's 4d if you add finances to it that's 5d is is what i've i've been told yeah yeah so that so there's there's um there's room there in terms of being able to ultimately tag this to to actual um, performances. Where we're focused right now is the accounting piece, the, the cost piece, all the approvals that has to happen to be able to say a, a project is at a certain percent completion, which currently happens. The question becomes who are the BIM leaders who are now gonna be able to provide a digital report or be able to say, hey, this is at a certain percentage completion, have contractors agree on that, and then we'll be able to help with all right what does that actually mean for the payment requisition and the line items i think that's that's where it's going but i i've i've met with a few partners potential partners who are on the front end doing the data capture on the front end to talk about how do you tie in to the finance piece um so there's this room there is still but as an industry we're still we're still figuring it out yeah okay that sounds good okay so let me I guess let me stop sharing. Let me pull up uh, a demonstration. So this is a this is a demo site. So this is not an actual site. This is just part of our demo site. But by the way, do uh, this is not uh, like it's an app that works on uh, Android and uh, I, uh, iOS on on both uh, these platforms or. Uh, yeah. So we're we're in the Android store. We're gonna be in. A, yeah, we're not Android store. We should be in the iOS store. Um, buddy, is then probably in the next week or so we'll be in the iOS store. Okay. And then we're also coming out with integrations for Procore and BIM 360. So yeah, you'll be able to use our tool 
regardless of what your GC is using um, and be able to, and then for those gaps that like the BIM 360 doesn't do or the Procore doesn't do, we, we, tend, to, uh, we tend to fall in. Okay. So, um, so where was I? What would be a, a specific workflow? Let, let's think like that, right? Let's see how, how this starts and how, what is the workflow? In yeah, so the workflow uh, would be uh, a subcontractor. So for my first example, a subcontractor foreman would create a ticket. We'll be able to say, hey, um, and, um, I have, I've had a change event and um i need a document I need, I need you guys to i want to notify you guys that something has happened and with that they're able to um i'll go back i'll create one they're able to be able to kind of create this ticket so on the mobile they, they have speech to text so they're able to kind of speak in um anything that happened uh added extra guys for work um if there's a pco number what is a pco number <laughs> pco number is um potential change order number so oftentimes general contractors would when they see that their change is coming in they want to track that with a potential change order number before they determine is it an actual true change or not yeah makes sense um then um then we also provide invoice numbers so sometimes the subcontractors don't like to bill it out um we have this option it is a ticket signed offline so what we see with a lot of our trade partners is there's still some spectrum uh to going digital so we give them the option that if they have a paper ticket you can go ahead and snap a photo and now turn that paper one into a digital record and everyone's informed of that digital record. Or if they, if they wanna go ahead and, um, and write it in themselves, they can do that. So we give them the option to, hey, do you wanna snap a photo of your ticket? And again, when we talked about what technologies, that opens the room for being able to snap a photo and actually read the ticket, all those kind of things, there's, there's potential there. We're not there yet, but just by creating that option, you can create those type of um, those type of tools. Um, so we're gonna say this was, wasn't signed off. They're able to um, on your mobile device, you have phone, video, voice note, whatever type of the best way you feel that you can document that something happens. Um, we they they're given the option. Just gonna add a, a picture of something. Let's add a track location. Um, and then this is the piece that really turns into what have financial impact. And this is the labor types. So, you know, particularly unions, they're very litigious around what, what labor should be paid for and how much. So when a trainman goes in and says, hey, I had a regular carpenter, it was overtime, there was three of us and added, and, and added eight hours, which is their normal process. We, because we actually capture the labor rates upfront, we can immediately tell every stakeholder what's the financial liability created in that moment. That was a process that would typically have to go to two or three weeks of getting that information, going back to the office, finding out the rate sheets, 
So submitting an estimate and then understanding what the financial impact can be. Now by having these sites connected, by simply just putting these, these things in, I have a carpenter overtime, we can start telling the stakeholders, hey, at this rate, this is a financial, this is a financial risk. I'm gonna click this button to add costs to just kind of give you how quickly that is in terms of, and all these rates are, um, you know, when contract starts, you have your pre-approved labor rates. So when we onboard our customers, we allow them to upload those pre-approved rate labor rates. And this hasn't even been approved yet, but just by looking at it, we have the data to say this is the financial exposure for this. And it's not even approved. This is just a guy's documenting what he perceives as the extra work that, that, that needs to happen. Very, very nice. A lot of information. So we'll go ahead and create the ticket. So this doesn't have costs associated with it. There's your, your photo, your video. That little check mark means that this is an, uh, an approved labor rate. We allow to, to make sure that the substantive GCs are in agreement. And then they're able to send over that approval to all the stakeholders, any stakeholders at their company. I'm, um, can you choose more? Yeah, you can add whoever's a part of your, um, your, your team. Yeah. Um, I'm going to select, I have, um, PM, PM to PM. Yeah. You can add, um, you can add any messages. You can attach files. All this is also can be done for mobile. But so. isn't possible to, uh, add in more recipients. Yeah, you can add them. You can add your recipients from your your client contact section. Okay. This is is just pre-populated, so I and I have to kind of walk you through everything. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna say, um, can you please approve? So it was now sent out. I'm gonna go to my email. So this is now that your foreman, they get a, um, your superintendent gets an email that says, hey, this came, came in. It has all the information associated with it. Yeah. Has the, the, um, the ticket attached and they're able to review online. So they're able to do this from their phone. So you get here at least, okay. And now you see us today, right? So now your GC, now you can start from the GC side or your owner side, you can start seeing as these comes in, as opposed to it being a piece of paper on a desk. I now know this was sent over today. It's in review. Um, there's no cost associated with it. I can check on it. I can see that it was sent to to Pam the PM, which is me. And now I can go through, approve it, add notes. This looks good. I can also revise, resubmit. I can reject it. All these things. So go ahead and approve it. Can you do this also from the phone, right? You yeah. don't need to necessarily have a browser. No, you don't have to be at, uh, at your desktop. This could. Yeah. This is okay. actually what it looked like. <laughs> yeah. So this is actually what it looks like on the phone. You just scroll up. 
Very nice. It looks like I here's just a simple process. Analysis. The signature showed up. He sees when it was sent off. Can you please approve this? Everything when it was created. But just by taking this simple process and turning it into a digital one, you end up capturing data in a way that ultimately allows you to be able to understand how quickly um, the financial cost on a project is changing and be able to make informed decisions around what's actually happening. So here's an example of what this looks like as things starts rolling in and you quickly start being able to see but what's that financial risk? There's still 200,000 out there. Who we need to prioritize? Who should we be contacting? What's approved and what's not? Yeah. Um, but it starts with something as simple as this and being able to, instead of that being in a silo on a piece of paper, it being digital, ultimately as that project progresses, you, this is one trade. You know, There's typically 20 to 40 trades on a site all coming in simultaneously that's when you start to see, okay, this quickly can be a half a million dollars worth of financial risk and being able to identify that and make decisions just off of that information. We haven't getting to, hey, I can send you an alert once um, something's been outstanding for too long. We haven't talked about, hey, I can start projecting out financial exposure if you keep approving at the rate that you approved that or being able to identify who are the bottlenecks in your process and who actually has the, I don't call it approval rate, but which people, which team players are actually you should set you should focus on in terms of helping them do the things necessary to do reduce the financial risk. But just being able to identify those gaps. We're not talking about, you know, throwing people under the bus, but we're talking about if you're in a project manager, how do you identify the gaps on your team? and make sure those who are holding up a process that's creating financial risk, that they're aware of it and that they can be trained and they can make the adjustments. Those are the pieces that, those are the next level. Right now we're just putting information in one place, but as we progress and as we really start um, thinking about um, what we can do with this data, that's when it becomes, these are now powerful tools that is changing the way we work. Um, and that creates those interactions where you can now tie it into a BIM model and be able to compare what's happening on a project financially based on what the model says and then how in comparing where we're at in the process because of that. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds very good. We have a question here from Heiko Denis. What are your clients' experiences with handling in tickets? Uh, I imagine some contractors had handling handing in their tickets by the end of the week pre-approved on the phone or site instead of when it happens yeah i mean um that's a good question so we, we see that too like some guys have a day where they like to um send all their tickets in um we give them the option if they want to create it as it happens we give them the option to create it and save it as a draft they don't have to send it out for approval um, they can always come back and send them off for approval a certain day. Um, but um, for the um, for that super or that foreman, um, we see people like to have a day. But now if you're a foreman and every time you create one, you send one out, that super just has to go down. They just have to check their 
Let's go to their log. They just have to check their log and they quickly know what's in review and be able to follow up on it and see exactly what happened um, and so on and so forth. So um, we believe flexibility is key, whatever makes sense for project teams, but we see a little bit of both. We see supers who like approving everything on a certain day. We see foremen who send out things on a certain day. Um, that flexibility is there to, to whatever makes sense for them. Um, yeah. But we give, but now, as opposed to going through a stack, this guy can be on the train going home and not only can he say, hey, what happened? But he, he can actually say, oh yeah, this is what, that's what you can't do with the paper ticket, right? Like, oh, what happened? What was, oh yeah, now I remember that jogged my memory. I'll go ahead and approve it. But it wasn't three guys. Those little pieces was making it a little bit more efficient for the end users. Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Are there any other important things you would like to mention, like you feel we did not cover? Um, that's a great question. Um, I guess it's uh, I mean, it's there's so much. Um, uh, the one thing I wanna um, I I definitely wanna leave you all with, in terms of, um what we're seeing out there and um, how to evaluate if tech is right for your company. Um, one thing that, um, because, because I have roots in the construction industry, I, um, I don't believe that you throw a technology tool on a site and it just works. I, I just don't <laughs> believe that. <laughs> I just, it, it just doesn't. And as, um, and I've watched my industry really, you know, have to wrestle with what to do now um, in the wake of COVID-19 and really forced to figure out what tools to, um, to use. And, um, the, there's a part of our company, um, and a part of me where in any company, I think that you should do business with, but be thoughtful about how, how committed they are to the success of the project and what that actually means to them. Because, um, I'm watching a lot of construction companies finally decide to use tech and if they're not met with the right support, they, it kind of rubs them the wrong way. They end up having a feeling that this thing doesn't work or, you know, it'll never work. And those are challenges that we're dealing with right now with people who've kind of been burnt in the past. Um, so as you know, to the listeners out there who are thinking about how to recommend and, you know, what tools to do, make sure that whatever company you choose, that they have a thoughtful process around working with trades, working with your stakeholders to make it to make it successful. And 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 I think that's such an important piece because it's making or breaking how our industry adopts um, technology. And I'm biased. I think you have to know the guys to to really serve them. Um, so I know that comes from my head, and I know it works for our company, but. Um, with any tool you go out there, make sure that you're thoughtful about the, um, what it's going to take for your team to actually implement it. And that that company is also thoughtful about it because that's, that's really going to allow you to allow us as a whole to be able to embrace the new technology tools as opposed to feeling like it was something that was forced on them or feeling like something that they just, that they just had to do. Yeah. What can you tell us about the onboarding process? How difficult it is? 
Um, I, onboard, <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's relatively simple. So anytime we onboard um, a subcontractor, we do a, um, a 30 day success plan. Um, and like one of your co- clients mentioned, a lot of guys, they have a day where they like to do their change orders, Thursday, Wednesday, whatever, coffee breaks on Friday, they have a day. Um, and we'll pretty much lay out, these are the things that you're going to have to do for the next 30 days. And we're confident that if you do use our system every day for the next, not every day, every week or that meeting that you have for three or four weeks in a row, that you'll have it. And we're going to be there for you. Um, we're going to be there for you to make sure that, that that's happening. So the first thing we do, we come in, we set your site up, we're pulling your labor rates, we're putting all those things that you need to actually use it. We'll meet with the PMs so that they understand their parts. If there's estimators and APMs, we meet with them. And we'll also go to Shantytown to meet with the foreman. We like to meet them in their spaces because that's where the work actually happens. And that's where we want them to be comfortable with the tool. Um, and then with that foreman, again, like if there's a weekly thing that they do, we follow up with them, have a call, walk them through it. And we feel like once we get them to do it four or five times, then, then you're kind of um, you're kind of good. So for us, we don't, when we start up, we come in with, hey, these are the th- this is the 30-day plan. Because if if you don't, if we don't help you change your behavior in the next 30 days, then there's gonna be something that your boss told you you have to use now. And that, you know, it doesn't, and that that's what we we work really, really hard to avoid. And that that's what we believe is the true power of the tech. Is it's it should change behavior. Um so that's how we approach it. Yeah, that sounds very very nice, um, very thoughtful process, and uh, that uh, sets the client to 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 succeed in implementing and using the software. That's good. What can you tell me about the pricing? <laughs> pricing. Um, so I mean, everything's negotiable. Um, we we average around around twenty basis points um, on on change order transactions. So that's, I think that's 20 basis points is like what, two bucks for every thousand bucks or something like that. I think that's, I think that should be around there. Yeah, about two bucks. Um, so that's where we average. Typically, that's usually where we start negotiations around that, 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 that point. Um, most of our subcontractors, um, they're fine with, you know, uh, a few hundred bucks a month and we'll let them use it across their, their their projects um, for major general contractor projects, we tend to be in you know just above a grand a month, and I'll cover all the subs on a specific um, project. And you know we're still um, you know everything's negotiable. Um, we understand that we're earning trust, and that you're trusting us with um, a particular part of your business. So um, we're always open to hey, let's do. A certain trial let let us prove it to you um and that 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 technique has worked well for us in terms of getting us into um some major firms and allowing us to prove um uh, how potential. we do this the mm-hmm. potential so we get that we get that we're not um where our motivations are around helping change the industry and you know and um where you know and yeah, we're a startup, so we do want to grow. We do want to. Um, all those things are important, uh, but where we're at in as a in our life journey as a company, it's all about um, 
proving trust and proving that this works and um yeah so yeah uh, what what, uh, what is with this uh, trial period like um uh, do you have a specific terms regarding this like a specific uh, period companies can try it or how does this exactly work yeah we um uh i think it's it's case by case price basis i think we've done up to um 90 days um because you kind of need like 90 days to really make it yeah. um and depending on the size of the project and the size of the client um will 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 be willing to um will be willing to negotiate terms that make sense if it's a smaller job we we may go with a 30 day because we believe that the job's moving so fast that you got to blitz it and if we give 90 days it, it won't you know we want to have a, a quicker approving point so it's it's the go it's always negotiable but up up to 90 days okay uh you know unless you you know unless you have a real compelling offer and then we could um assess from there yeah sure but it's uh, it's not like something you have it on your website try it for 15 days or 30 days you this uh, you need to have a discussion and uh, see talk with the company see what how can you help them and after that uh, uh, set the terms for that right yeah that's exactly it okay awesome awesome Khalid it was very nice uh, how can somebody contact you um that's a great question um <laughs> you can um, reach me at um Khalid K-H-A-L-I-D at trackflow T-R-A-C-F-L-O dot I-O um, you can also follow us on LinkedIn. Um, uh, we actually, that's where we actually get a lot of our, our, our folks where we're having conversations, um, just Khalid, David, Trackflow. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is probably our best. If you just want to be social, you want to jump on a chat, you just want to, Hey, listen, I'm not even trying to buy anything. I just kind of trying to fill stuff out. LinkedIn's the best way to, um, to, to reach me. I'm very active there and um, showing what we're doing, talking about our customers, sharing some of the content that we're producing. So um, that's probably the best place to um, to reach to reach me, if not directly by email. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much for taking your time and for joining me. Thank you so much, man. This was great. This was insightful. Um, I'm glad that you guys heard my story, and um, and I, I'm glad that we're able to talk about where technology is going and what's next. Yeah, awesome. Thank you everybody that uh, watched this live and um, uh, who asked questions. I really appreciate that. And I really hope uh, more of you will join in the future sessions. Yeah, I wish you a nice day.